This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcode.com. Welcome back to the Short Code Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. With me today are Short Coats, Rob Humble. Hey, how's it going? And we've got some new co-hosts, Mitchell Hoyer. Hey there. And Jeremy Sanchez. Hi. And Claire Castaneda is going to be joining us as soon as she awakes from her slumber. She texted me and said, tell Dave he can have my firstborn. So, Oh, <laughs> I've go. always wanted a firstborn. <laughs> I've already had a firstborn. It's, you know, it's okay. The second's not as nice. <laughs> yeah. If I, if I can give it back, then, sh- then I'll take it. Uh, welcome to the show, guys. Appreciate your coming. Today we're going to be talking about what it's like to be a member of a sexual minority group in medical school, LGBTQ. And a sexual minority seems like a weird way to put it, but it, uh, yeah, okay, let's go with that. <laughs> and then later we'll answer a listener question from Nikki about med school friendships. Mm. You guys have friends. You can, you can help answer that. Uh, before we begin, I want to remind our listeners we're working on some interesting ideas here on SCP. Some would say, perhaps charitably, that it will even affect the fabric of your lives. If you want to be the first to know about these things when they finally happen, go to theshortcoats at gmail.com and sign up for our email list because that is where we will post the news first. It's a little ways away. I don't want to get people too excited, but I keep I keep mentioning it because if I keep mentioning it, it will actually happen. Right? Mm-hmm. There you go. Little accountability there. It's recorded now. Name of the game. Yes. Yes. Rob, I think this topic was your idea. I think. I th- I you think, came to me first. I think yeah, I think I talked to you about it. Yeah. 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 Why, why did you want to talk about this on the show? So applicants that would uh, come in who uh, were LGBT or wanted to know more about being LGBT at Iowa kind of assumed that because we're Iowa that it wouldn't necessarily be a welcoming community. That's so interesting. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, I guess if you're not from Iowa, like Iowa City is like mm-hmm. a very accepting place, and <laughs> it's it's. If you're not if you're not familiar with the area, that's uh, I could see why that would be the thought. So I'm like, oh man, if we could, if we can reach uh, (laughs) Claire's arrived. Claire has arrived, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. Claire Castaneda, (laughs) fresh from between the sheets. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! Looking remarkably well put together for somebody who just literally woke up. I always I look woke up like this. (laughs) But my thought was that uh, if we um. You know, if we could, if we could do more to uh, get the word out, so to speak, like uh, via the podcast, like they have a better sense of what what's it like to to be LGBT here. I find uh, Iowa to be strangely schizophrenic. Iowa as a state to be strangely schizophrenic about uh, LGBT issues. Um, now, I mean, we live in the Republic of Johnson County, where you know, very liberal leaning community, uh, university town uh, of Iowa City, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Iowa these days is a pretty red state. But purplish after the 2018 midterms. Yeah, I mean, you know, but also, I mean, among the first in the nation to uh, legally allow uh, gay marriage or same-sex marriage, mm-hmm. 
Um, it's pretty, I mean, it's sort of progressive in some weird ways, and yet we have... Well, yeah, when it comes to civil rights, like, Iowa's, like, it has a history of being first. Yeah. And so, so does the university. We were the first university to, first university and medical school to admit men and women on an equal basis. Yeah. Um, we were, yeah, third state in the country to legalize same-sex marriage. I mean, Iowa was chosen specifically because Iowa has a history of kind of, like, opening the floodgates for more litigation across the country, so... I mean that was that was 08. I think I was a, I was a freshman in undergrad at that point, mm-hmm. so it was kind of cool. I was taking a sexual um, ethics class at that time, and so we were talking about like the ethics of same sex marriage. And it was I at that time did not know that I was <laughs> <Right>. gay. Um, <laughs> I was like, were you gay then? And I was I mean I, I was opposed to the idea of gay marriage. I didn't uh, Republican nope. Rob. Yes, yeah, formerly uh, formerly conservative Rob. It's so funny because I feel like you know like I only know the Rob uh-huh. that exists today. And um, never would have, never would have guessed. Life is a journey. It is a journey. Change our ideals. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, anybody else have a similar journey? Oh yeah. Uh, so I'm from uh, Northwest Iowa, up in Steve King country. So uh, we don't have yeah. gays up there really. <laughs> uh, so yeah. not visible. Yeah. I didn't figure out what that was until I went to college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was coming from Idaho, um, where the majority of the state is still pretty red. So yeah. Um, yeah, I figured it'd be pretty similar here, but was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Yeah, Johnson County's definitely a little pocket. Oh yeah. In the state. Oh yeah, it's it's easy to it's easy to get the impression that uh, we are like like it's just easy to get into a bubble here, and then you know every once in a while something disrupts that bubble from the other part of the, another part of the state, and you're like, okay, this is still a, this is still a struggle. Uh, Rob and Claire, you've both been on the show before. You've talked about your sexual identities casually, but would you remind us of how you identify, please, if you want to? Um, I am a lady who kisses ladies. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm I'm a gay man. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Mitchell, Jeremy, do you want to do the same? You don't have to. Uh, so I'm Mitchell, uh, and I identify as bisexual. Mm-hmm. Kiss them both. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm Jeremy, and I identify as gay. Okay. And and you've both been just just for completeness, you've both been out to the world before. You yeah. Oh, before yeah, today. There. Okay. <laughs> so this is not your this is not your way of coming out. <laughs> um, as an LGBT person, was your sexual identity imp- an important factor in when you were looking for a school, or was it a also ran kind of thing? So I wasn't out to my family uh, when I applied, and uh, I didn't think of it as a huge issue. Uh, I was applying as an in-state voter to Iowa, so I was really just desperate to get in anywhere. (laughs) So it's not like I was looking at schools based off of that so much. Mm -hmm. I was just looking at schools that would take me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Common story then? or Um, For me, I was looking into it a little bit um i was uh, mostly applying to schools that were geographically west coast east coast um tend to be the more progressive areas of the country um so i honestly was a little bit nervous coming into iowa not knowing how much it had changed since i'd come to undergrad here mm. um but yeah okay i remember think uh, i mean like i had I was a hospital employee before I finally like ended up getting in, but I mean I knew that the climate here was very welcoming, and I knew that I was one of the states that has employment, um, like and non discrimination laws protecting both like sexual orientation and gender identity. And we're in the minority of states, mm-hmm. I mean, so I mean like that's something that's kind of in the that was kind of in the back of my mind. 
Um, I didn't think about it too much, but I'm like, oh yeah, well that's in the pros category, right? I didn't think about it because I didn't know I was gay mm-hmm. at the time. But oh. I think it will. Med school turned you gay. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the water. Danger, people! <laughs> danger. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it will play into where I decide to apply for residency, depending on what I want to go into. But for right now, I think I think I'll be casting a pretty wide net and maybe going into something a little more general or like family practice sort of idea. Mm-hmm. So if I had the opportunity to kind of, or the freedom to pick, I think I would choose somewhere that would be a little bit more welcoming and have more than one gay bar. Sure. <laughs> well, Unless you can't pray your lights. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jeremy, you said that you did sort of think about it. Uh, did you look for anything in, in particular? When you were looking at schools, were there were there you know sort of strategies you had to figure out like how this was going to work? Mm, since it was more of a minor detail when I was looking into med schools, it was mostly just on what I'd heard about like what cities these med schools are in and how much they've contributed to the gay cause. I suppose. Okay. Okay. Um, but it wasn't like this school specifically does this for its LGBTQ students. Sure. Were there any? Su- Prizes, I guess, in your search for this sort of information. Because, mm. I mean, if you go by cities, it's pretty well known. You, it's pretty easy to find, you know, that sort of information, I guess. I mean, knowing what I know now, like, and I never had to search for a med school before. <laughs> um, but knowing what I know now, you know, I'd look at websites and look at, you know, are, are there student groups? Are there... Um, you know, maybe does the hospital system have an LGBTQ clinic? Um, those sorts of things. But that wasn't what you were what you were investigating. Really. No, not really. Yeah, sure was a pleasant surprise coming here though and finding that out. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, um, I'm curious. I, I, uh, you know, my generation and my area of the country wasn't known for its tolerances, a tolerance of differences in sexual identity. I come from the Northeast. Um, you know, which is, you know, pretty generally liberal but um i don't remember it being talked about um when i was a kid in the 70s and the 80s you know like i heard things described all the time as like i'm gonna put on my accent i heard things described all the time as as gay queer (laughs) faggy (laughs) it wasn't a it wasn't really a good thing And, and i realize now that these kinds of things were said out of ignorance but it took some time for me to get there um Growing up in the 90s and the... I looked up your birth dates just to <laughs> make myself really sad. Um, growing up in the 90s and the oddies, did you guys hear similar things from peers? Was that still a thing? It was big in middle school and then it got yeah. squashed. Yeah. By the time I got to high school. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no. I don't remember who told us it wasn't cool, but at some point people were like, you can't just call things you don't like gay. That's kind of, it was like a soft insult at the time, but. I think it was Hillary Duff. I think she was Hillary the one. <laughs> <laughs> she spoke out. Thanks, Hill. Right. I feel yeah. like, yeah, people, people would, in high, yeah, I feel like slurs were still pretty common when I was in high school. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> definitely. And then it, I would say, at least at my school, it just became a little more, instead of, it just became internalized homophobia that everyone carried around. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a Catholic high school and it, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like like the the worst possible thing you could be if you came out as gay, mm-hmm. um, but it was also a thing that we just didn't really talk about. 
Um, I can't, I'm trying to remember how many people. And that's the thing. Yeah, we never talked about. I mean, there was no yeah. talk of this sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember people who came out who had a hard time with it, though. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they did, like a big kind of personality change almost uh, yeah. with yeah. it to kind of make a st- not make a statement out of it, but they felt like maybe they needed to at least yeah. in my high school. Yeah. We had something similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same year. So fast forward, med school. Um, do you hear these things now in med school? I haven't. I don't know. Have you guys? Mm, I don't. Not not to the same level. Definitely not. Mm-hmm. Um, like the way it was in middle school, high school. I definitely don't hear people throwing around no like slurs like gay or faggy. And I don't feel like I'm made to feel shamed about anything. Yeah. At all. I just feel like it's just another part of me that just nobody really. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if we talk about it, it's because we want to talk about it. It's nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's more thing. subtle now, I think. Mm-hmm. I've noticed um, there's a little bit of like by, I don't want to call it squashing, but um, I've had conversations. By squashing. By squashing. <laughs> <laughs> but, the name of my new band. Um, <laughs> I think the way it's it comes out now is in there's certain uh, different standards and different identities that people have to fit into and uh, roles people have to play. And I noticed that, I don't know if you could speak to this, Mitchell, but like by men and by women are completely differently treated. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I know. I'd say like, uh, and then I don't know. I also look at it for um, how you're treated by both communities because uh, uh, I don't know. I, I would say most of my friends are straight, though, too. I mean, mm-hmm. I consider you guys my friends, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, my straight friends kind of are just like, oh no, that's like kind of your thing. Am I appropriating some of the things that I'm saying? Like, uh, usually, usually they're like pretty well spoken, but then even like my good acquaintances in medical school and stuff like that, it's just like we almost don't really talk about it kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, for as far as uh, the heteros uh, that I talk with about that. And then I feel like sometimes in the gay community, not here at CCOM, but uh, I definitely have it, or I see it more like, I don't know if I want to say like social media, but even in different interactions of like, oh, well, you're not really kind of part of us, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's definitely still that out there. So, yeah, I don't know. LGBT are all four different communities for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I hadn't really thought about that that before. Yeah. As there being such a such a separation, Mm -hmm. I guess. I think I didn't know until I like came out honestly and i'd always found like been an ally of the gay community but when i came out which was in the last year i i learned that there is definite like um i don't want to call it divisions between groups either but there there definitely is like groups that exist within like that umbrella yeah. <laughs> it's a little clicky <laughs> um yeah it, it can be it can be where sometimes i would say i don't know about you guys but i would say sometimes that's where discrimination comes from Mm-hmm. Is I just didn't expect it to come from the community itself, but definitely it we can be our own worst enemies sometimes. Mm-hmm. I can I think I would go definitely go as far to say as it's been divisive. Yeah. Like, even even within just like the gay community, which is the community I know the best, right? But like people can be so I don't know if it's just that internalized like um frustration with oneself that just drives us to other other people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then that kind of creeps into, like, uh, if you want to look into some, like, the racial interactions within the LGBT community, oh, sure. too. Yeah. That's, yeah. And it kind of goes with that same, I don't know if it's, like, we were talking about with, like, the internalized homophobia kind of side of stuff, but, yeah, there's some part of it that 
it's still very divisive mm-hmm. in ways, in some ways. I'm not saying it's all bad, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right, right. But you've spoke, I mean, you've just been speaking about it as though um, this is a feature of the, of, of the groups. But to me, in my experience, it just sounds like a feature of being human. I mean, how... Also true. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, we just, that. we otherize the shit out it's of so people, true, you know, yeah. like, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, it almost doesn't matter what you believe. You're somebody's other. Yeah. And... But- so, but when you have like uh, this group of people, uh, like we do kind of have to come together to fight for each other's rights in some ways kind yeah. of thing. And we mm-hmm. are seen as one cohesive group uh, to, uh, again, the heteros. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I, I, so. no, I will admit that that's, that that's true. Yeah, and I mean, like, I, and I get, I get the reason for that. Cause you have to uh, strengthen numbers, right. If you want to get stuff done at mm-hmm. least uh, from like an advocacy or political side of things. But, um, but yeah, definitely. I, I, I feel comfortable talking about it with other people in the community of saying like, Oh no, there's, there's issues within us and we need to yeah, yeah, yeah. talk about that. Comes with the interplay, I think for sure of masculinity and femininity too. Um, that's a whole nother yeah. thing. Too. Yeah. It's a whole other <laughs> ball field, but yeah. I I think I've I've even heard because my um my current girlfriend the most beautiful woman in the world but I won't <laughs> tell you her name um <laughs> because how are we to judge I know right okay. well she's not she's not out okay um mm. but I have heard commentary even from very different sides of like are you cool with she with her identifying as bi um and I've I've heard a lot of like horror stories and for some reason like. I don't know that many lesbians actually, but the ones that I have spoken with and talked to mostly in the alley of studio at like two in the morning, right. they're like, it's <laughs> so much worse if they leave you for a man. And I just like, I don't know. It's, it's the issues just, they go deeper and deeper every second that you look at them. Um, and yeah, you guys are making this face like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just thinking about my own experiences. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just interesting. The standards that we hold each other to and the things that we think matter. So do you feel supported here um, to the extent that you're being, com- that you're comfortable being who you are um, in med school? By everyone but Dave Etler. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a right bastard. Yeah, right bastard. He said, you showed up late to the podcast, yes. you stupid gay woman. No. <laughs> you gays. You heard it here, you gays. Always late. <laughs> uh, Rob and Jeremy, when did you guys come out? Because, Claire, you said you came out in the last year. Mm-hmm. I came out to my family, well, to, to my parents and my sister, uh, like a month ago. Uh, mm-hmm. So, like, it's still all very new to me for at least, like, people that I'm really close to. With my friends, it's been a couple of years, but... Uh, so, I came out just shy of five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and I, like, I mean, I kind of treated it as, like, before then, I was in the closet. Now, I am fully out of the closet. So, you're just, like, one step to the other. No, no gradual... Uh, process. <laughs> no, no. Okay. And, I'm, and I, I, when I told my parents, I'm like... Rip, rip that Band-Aid off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like... <laughs> they're like, so how do you want to deal with this? I'm like, I'm out now. You were. I'm, it was important to tell you to your face. And you said so you didn't hear it secondhand, but like from now on, just assume everybody knows. And mm. that is how we have proceeded. There you go. Um, I came out to family, I guess in January, it'll be four years. Um... But I guess on social media to like 
all of my more conservative friends back in Idaho to my students that I taught in Korea for two years. That was um, this past summer. Um, mm -hmm. Honestly, I think that was like possibly even scarier <laughs> than the first time. So, yeah. Well, because I think going back to your question, Dave, I feel like that kind of plays a bit of a part into uh, how I feel welcomed here because I entered coming here I guess like a little bit different person because now that I'm like fully out like um I don't know like I just feel a little bit more like you said Rob like kind of oh, one to the other a little bit more like just that final step I guess and so yeah I mean and I, th I think there's a lot of institutional support here I've not I mean like there I mean like, there's inclusiveness kind of at all levels like OSAC is always they're, they're like oh because well, my husband's a pharmacy student like oh how's his application process going and I mean, like nobody it doesn't seem to be any like like avoiding of no, no. discussion or or like oh I'm not going to mention his husband because I don't know what to do about that you know kind of thing. I, th I feel like um, sometimes people have good intentions and they just don't know how to act, and so like I've made I, I've made a willful I've willfully like gone out of my way to like just put it out there that like I'm comfortable talking about this and like if I'm talking even like in admission stuff like. I will make reference to my husband so that like it's just out there and then like they're not they don't have to like skate around it people are like jesus christ he's talking about his husband again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always with that his husband him. what is the going on <laughs> but like that i mean that i mean like my, my my point there is to just to like give people like i'm talking about this so you you can yeah you can refer to it it's there's no elephant in the room it's just reality yeah mm -hmm. and i mean i've never had an a negative experience related to that yeah i'm surprised i mean it's it's not that i i, I mean I, I would not want to you know be like I, I would never have said that you know as an institution we are homophobic for instance um but you know no institution is monolithic right and so there's always going to be some person who you know is that is that is that guy who's like you know I'm going to other you or, or whatever. Um, but you as a, on the whole, haven't found that to be the case. No, I, and I, I think, I think I kind of put off the vibe that like, this is who I am and I don't have time for your shit. If you have a problem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> ah, yes. And I think that has worked nicely. Good. Good. This is that. I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it without like that. That's, that's like how to m most accurately describe it. It seems like a, mm -hmm. an approach that's worked. <laughs> yeah. Anyone else want to handle that one? On the whole, I feel really supported by by the faculty here, um, by even the people who like do scheduling and stuff, mm -hmm. um, and the people who run small groups. I I have the impression, and I do have. They give you time to be gay. Yeah, they get they give me a little gay moment. <laughs> <laughs> I walk in in my rainbow T-shirt and pants, right? And they they allow it. Ah, that's <laughs> they right. tolerate it. That's walk right. in five minutes late um, with my iced coffee and say, "I'm here. I'm, he <laughs> I'm queer. I'm here. You put up with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I enter every small group. Right, yeah, <laughs> and it's okay. And they're like, "We're talking about hospice care. Can you?" And I'm like, "What are you gonna say? Yeah. What are you gonna say?" <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I do on the whole like feel very supported by um, the faculty, like and like by our classmates as well on a as a like broad base of people. Not maybe not every single one individually, but I also I know more people that would come to help out yeah. than wouldn't. Yeah. That for is sure. definitely true. Yeah, 
I saw that with um, we had some essays that were. Uh, I was wondering if we we're going to talk about that. Yeah, do you want to talk about it? <laughs> yeah. So we had a uh, sociology essays that we had to write, um, and uh, the topic you had to pick between erectile dysfunction, um, family, society, homosexuality, which I thought was the vaguest um, topic I'd ever heard, and then um, abortion, contraception. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were some essays that we learned some opinions of some of our classmates that we hadn't been so familiar they were, with. Yeah. They were completely anonymous too. Yes. Like uh, you wrote mm-hmm. like one page double spaced, you put it into a little manila envelope, uh, they switched them all up and then uh, you got one in your small group and you're like, this is it. Um, this is what this random person thinks. And then you talked about it and yeah, we had some interesting yeah. opinions. And there were several actually. Like yeah. it wasn't just one where we were like, who's this crazy person? Uh, <laughs> like there were a couple that and I I never actually saw them in person. I don't know if you did. So I did I'd, see a few. Okay, yeah. then I'll well, defer to you. <laughs> well, no, you can go ahead and talk. I mean, we all saw slash heard the same ones. Yeah, so there was uh, one uh, related to the um, family, the LGBTQ, I guess, topic that was saying how uh, the HIV AIDS virus uh, was sent from God uh, as some kind of uh, holy shit. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty heavy. It, it wasn't like <laughs> just like tiptoeing in. It was just like nope, yep, no, that's out there for a reason, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like as a bit of a retribution, I guess. But yeah, and so then like here, this person who got the paper is just like how I don't know who this is. How do I respond to this? I didn't realize that people still thought about this, let alone like in a professional graduate school. Like mm-hmm. it's nuts. Yeah. That's bold. Right. That's bold. But that's why I'm glad that we preface saying like, I have never felt like that in person at all yeah. uh, by anybody. So, yeah. But does it, I mean, do, uh, does it affect you knowing that there are people around you every day that, f- that actually feel that way? I mean, I, I think one thing that was scary about it in the first place was, um, so one of the people who received an essay that was kind of, it wasn't as fiery and brimstony, but um, <laughs> it was still a little bit like, I don't know how I would like do when it comes to treating gay patients sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of religious reasons, I feel like it might cloud my, like I'm biased. Um, and So basically saying, you know, I'm biased, I'm aware I'm biased. Yeah. Uh, but not really attributing a value to that. Yeah. Okay. And I think the thing that was scariest about it was that being anonymous, A, you didn't know which of your classmates it was. Mm -hmm. Um, And B, because that, at least I thought this, like because that friend of mine who was gay who read that essay, um, he was like, what are the odds that I got one Mm-hmm. that was anti-gay and then we both sat there and we're like it's either the worst coincidence ever or statistically there's enough of these out there that one of us was gonna I was, I was gonna say the sort yeah. of thing can like mess with your head like yeah like, what does this mean um so that was um uh, but one thing that I think was kind of what was the point of this exercise I don't know <laughs> <laughs> so were you were you at the GE lunch because I was no. uh where it I was, was like immediately after this you yeah and so me, what um, does GE stand for uh, and you're gonna have to tell me Rob <laughs> I don't know. It's the one where we go and we talk about like what's going good in our classes and what's going bad to yeah. their face. I don't know. Education. Something. Something. Education. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, yeah. Go ahead. Well, it's just it's just we uh, get together. I mean, we get split up into four throughout the year, and so like a quarter of our class goes there, and we have the directors of each uh, course there, where uh, we talk about 
hey, this is what's going good, this is what's going bad, um, and they are able to give a rebuttal, and then we aren't really able to give a counterpoint, and then we move on, <laughs> kind of thing, because we only, only have like 50 minutes. Mm -hmm. And we get a free lunch, so everybody goes. Uh, but yeah, so I was at the one that was immediately after this. It was mm -hmm. like a week after these came out. Um, and so... Uh, yeah, one of our classmates turned around and she's just like, okay, so I've got an opinion on this, like right at the beginning of this course when we talk about like what's not going well and she's like, let me tell you. Uh, and so she talks about this uh, and she talked about more like the fire and the brimstone one a little bit, but uh, she was just like, she was like near tears, like saying like, this is so hurtful, like this is unbelievable, like, how, like, um, like, I don't see the point of this, kind of like what you were talking about, Dave. Like, why are we doing this anonymous thing? Well, I mean, like, I could see where there might be a point. I'm just not sure exactly what it is. Would you rather mm -hmm. not know? Well, and so I I don't know, like, if, kind of like what you were talking about, where it's like, what are the chances that it's us? Is it our role to e then educate people right. from this standpoint? Yeah. Like, do we have to educate everybody all the time? And now we have to do it to our own classmates who are supposed to be graduate students kind of thing and so i actually can't like i had the rebuttal against the like really? our classmates yeah because she was just like this is super hurtful and we shouldn't have to deal with this and this is ridiculous that we have this anonymous thing and i came up because like i felt comfortable enough kind of not arguing against her but giving a counterpoint because first of all like obviously wasn't me that wrote it uh <laughs> so i was just like okay yeah i think i feel safe uh having everybody know that uh and i was just like you know what you're gonna meet patients who are very ignorant and they yeah. are going to say like maybe not this extreme of something but they're going to say some pretty pretty ignorant stuff to you to your face um mm -hmm. and so how are you going to deal with that i realized that it's not the same medium as a completely anonymous letter like what we did here but i was like but i don't think it's fair of us to say we shouldn't have to deal with this because we're going to have to right in some way shape or form because i know i experienced it even as a scribe in a family practice uh yeah people say clinic. people yeah. say all sorts of things yeah, yeah. to their all, healthcare yeah. providers um you know whether it's you know i don't want to see you because you're black or you know what it's there's a lot of opinions out there mm -hmm. and actually, they will yeah not hesitate often <laughs> to say things i felt the same way too because it's um i mean not just patients but I think I felt more comfortable knowing the honest truth about what people think mm -hmm. about and those people being future providers. And yeah, it made me like, oh, man, that that's a bummer. But OK, but then what did we do two weeks yeah. later? We had this HIV AIDS week, right? Yeah. Uh, before Yay! the big AIDS day. So uh, we had like a lot of students come out and we um, had like a lot of events about educating our fellow students about, hey, um, it's not sent by God. It is a virus and this is how it works. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I Good think, timing. Um, so I, I talked to like we have a we have an LGBT student group called Equal Meds, and I talked to our faculty sponsor this week, who also went to medical school here, and so they did the same exercise when she was a medical <laughs> student in the mid in the mid aughts, and like when you like so there's like survey questions with percentages uh, for so listeners know, and there was one like there's the question about like health insurance for uh, a same-sex partner and when she took it, sixty-two percent of people were opposed, and I'm like, oh my god, that was. 15-ish years ago now it's like eight to ten people total yeah. and i'm like wow that's that's a very large shift in perception over a very short period of time mm -hmm. that's what I, I mean i think it's amazing actually when you think about it from the perspective of a guy who's 48 years old how much things have changed even here yeah mm -hmm. um in the last you know since i got here in iowa in 2000 i mean yeah it's crazy Absolutely. 2001 sorry you're only 48? Don't at me. Oh. <laughs> Mitchell? <laughs> right, right. I'm new. I'm new. 
I think people like living out loud a little bit, like maybe not in your face, but uh, yeah, just more just being like unapologetic about it. Kind of like it just normalizes it more. And maybe that's me kind of being a little bit more proud of our generation. But like, I just think people, it just becomes normalized once you see it in Mm -hmm. other people. I didn't like, I had never, I remember how floored I was like, seeing like meeting like the the first doctor i met who was gay basically and i'm like oh my god like because like at that point like all the examples of successful gay people are like in culture and entertainment or were for a long period of time and i remember like i had a meeting with this one pathologist about some like molecular path project i was maybe going to work on and then I learned after the fact that he was gay. And I was, oh, he's out of town because he's adopting a kid with his husband. And it, like that was like, I felt so good. Like I can't even describe it. I'm like, and then I mean, and there's like tons of there's tons of gay and lesbian right. and uh, bi providers at the hospital. But it's not it's not visible. Like other differences are visible. Exactly. Yeah. And like yeah. it means like representation is huge. Yeah. yeah. It, it, meant, it meant so much. I don't think I've ever told him this. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we when we talk about this, um, I'm. I'm used to hearing about this in terms of underrepresented minorities in medicine. Um, you know, the need for mentors who are like us, so that I can tell, I can, I can be aware that this is a possibility. That that you know, being a doctor as an underrepresented minority is certainly not out of the question. Look at these people who mm-hmm. who are there. Yeah, um, but I was thinking. Yeah, today I was thinking this has got to be important. Hugely, um, it's hugely for anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. Um, it, I looked at this 2015 study, um, and I, I, I'm not getting the sense that the way we feel about this in Iowa is universal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys looked at these numbers. I, I posted them to you, and it's okay if you didn't because mm-hmm. there were a lot of tables. Um, but uh, yeah, as I say, there was this 2015 study of medical school, of med school students um, asking them about their sexual identities and their gender identities. Um, and, um, you know, so of the total number of respondents, which was uh, about 5,800. Um, 15%, 15.7% identified as a sexual minority, um, 0.6% identified as a gender minority. And, um, so, you know, just as a bit of background, that's, that's the starting thing. Um, but for, and for those, I'm sorry, I didn't write all this shit down. I'm going by, uh, I'm going by feel here. Um, <laughs> 67 and a half percent were out um and the same this and for gender identity 74 percent were out does that uh does that jibe with what you uh, your experience this is medical students medical students yeah more or less i'm not sure how you would judge really i mean because you're either out or you're not and so Mm -hmm. it's hard to it's hard to know the people who aren't I don't know, like, uh, my family's all up in Northwest Iowa, which is God's little corner of the earth. Uh, and so, like, I was fully <laughs> out for the last... For yeah, I was fully out uh, for the last, like, two years to my friends. Um, was never in a relationship, so I never, like, posted anything on social media, necessarily. I, like, I was a big advocate, obviously, for mm-hmm. it, but um, 
yeah uh and so like you can be kind of halfway out a little bit like yeah it wasn't until i was like oh i'm gonna be doing stuff and my name's gonna be on this Mm -hmm. i should come out to them (laughs) yeah same um of the reasons identified there are familiar ones it's nobody's business was the top reason for uh not being out um fear of discrimination this is second most common reason social and cultural norms concerns over career options next is fear of discrimination in residency uh, lack of support pressure from family and friends fear of patient discrimination religious beliefs and then other so I don't think those are any surprise to anybody as to mm-hmm. why that would be the case but it's still the case apparently for many med students that they feel that um, even in this environment of, of you know sort of the ideal being intellectual honesty and you know that they feel like you know they have to they have to be somebody that they're not so Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like the common denominator there is fear. So, okay, so what about LGBTQ in the curriculum? Okay, uh, can I can I give a little background story? Yeah. Okay, so um, our uh, faculty sponsor, um, Katie Mborek, uh she's she, badass. She is a badass. She's such a badass. Mm-hmm. A great role model, like you were saying. Just, oh like. my God, <laughs> yeah. just fantastic. So when she was a medical student here in the mid-2000s, um, there was a very underground student organization on a, there's a listserv and it was literally just called the group because a, a lot of people weren't out and if they opened an email from the group they didn't want people in the computer lab to see what they were looking at because apparently not everybody had laptop laptops or mm-hmm. mobile phones and yes. so it was very underground Back then we had we had uh <laughs> pointy beaked birds tapping out messages on stone tablets i see your abacus on the shelf yes Dave. um <laughs> And so, I mean, and, and at that time it was mostly like a social group and didn't really have much to do with like the curriculum or putting on programming. And she specifically referenced um, a, uh, a lecture by one of the internal med uh, faculty about um, she, uh, this, um, this faculty member had MS. So she was giving a lecture about being a patient as a physician and she knew that this woman was gay and this she only referred to she referred to her spouse over and over but like never never gendered them and she thought that was really weird and that kind of like that resulted in her like wanting to establish like an, an what eventually became known as medics and has since since become equal meds um this is the student group mm-hmm. of, uh of, of uh, medical and pa students yep. um like officially recognized by the college and um and allies and allies yeah and that's and so medics so medics was like med iowa queer students so so they changed the name to equal meds to include allies Mm -hmm. and that is why we are equal meds um but like she saw a need to educate classmates like and then part of this was related to that uh, survey experience with a majority of uh people not supporting um and so between like that experience of like being underrepresented and just there not being anything visible like she, she decided that it needed to take a more visible shape and like there was uh somebody who worked in osac that was like the faculty sponsor i, I think she's since retired and then um I, and she graduated obviously and she she did residency here and then came on as faculty and then i think she picked up as faculty mentor like 0809 something like that and has like she's been the faculty uh sponsors since and i mean we now we have like 
there's several dedicated hours of lgbt relevant content and it, i mean it's even like woven into things like like some of our uh, performance-based assessments or like oskis for uh, people that knows what they are like one of my surgery oski had um there was a woman who was at she's an engineer she was at las vegas for uh well we, we should say that these are these are scenarios standardized you, standardized patient patients exams. you're working you're working with yes um people acting as patients to give you practice at clinical skills that's what yes and and so, is, yeah like so after the surgery rotation you have one specific to surgery mm-hmm. it's surgery and ob gyne yeah but so like so like the scenario is like this one was at a conference and now it burns when she pees and i'm like okay so you, you think it's just like an sti workup but like it's complicated by the fact that she had sex with a man at this uh conference but she doesn't want her wife to know and i i mean i like i, mean, I dealt with the scenario but after the fact i'm kind of like oh wow that's that's inclusive and real <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how incredibly Weird. open-minded Wild. I'm, like, wow, that's, 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 I'm like that was incredibly normalized and like I'm, I, I thought i think that i mean there's like a striving to incorporate things and I, I like that it's not just standalone content, that it's just like woven in with other things. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know that that's not, I don't know that that's the case everywhere else. Yeah. But that's kind of like the, the background of like how it's, how the group has like uh, contributed to the curriculum. But then like we also still do social things. Like we've had, like I was president of Equal Meds when I was an M2. And like so we, I made a point like after that experience with that pathologist that I learned was gay, like we had a, a few socials at Katie and Bork's house or our sponsor's house uh, to put like faculty, students and residents who were LGBT, like in the same room, just so people could meet people and just be social together. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, we do social things. We put on lunch programming and then um, like some of us are involved with the LGBTQ clinic out at one of our, uh, at one of the university's outpatient facilities as well. Did I miss anything? Uh, I also think like you just kind of skip forward like 10 or 15 years. So I, I had talked to Katie a little bit about like uh, just a little fun fact about uh, one of the other things that medics used to do too was I think it was early on when she was an advisor, like one of the first couple of years uh, that uh, we used to have um, at CECOM, we used to have this uh, like newsletter, I guess, uh, written by students called Vital Signs. Um, and I don't remember when that went out of style, I guess. Uh, but she said, so... We had talked, um, Claire and I are on uh, Equal Meds Leadership now, uh, and so we had talked this year about uh, do we want to continue this tradition of like what we're doing on coming out day in October because we said like I don't know like uh, what's the point of this like what's going on and so when I talked to Katie at the beginning of the semester I said why why did this start like where did this come from and she said in vital signs it was this thing where like they pushed they had to like push to get us where we're at today, like with the faculty mm. being super open, with everybody kind of like just being okay with it. And that's where I'm talking about like with people being like out loud and proud, like I'm here, I'm queer and you're gonna have to deal with it. Like It was an uh, effort, an yeah. a particular effort had to be made. And so that's what she said where she was like, we just took out a little square in the Vital Signs uh, newsletter for that season. And she just said, they just went around and asked, will you sign this and say like that you support um, LGBTQ uh, medical and PA students. And well, I guess at the time it might not have been PA students. I don't remember when they started, but. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, and she said it was like pulling teeth, uh, with faculty, with other students. Cause they said, well, what if people think I'm gay? Like, I mean, and that was mm-hmm. 10 years ago. And so like, there is definitely like a growth in that time where medics yeah. definitely pushed a lot of it along with other uh, organizations and individuals. But like, yeah, that's just one example yeah. of just like, oh no, like we, we had to work to get here too. Yeah. So yeah. It's nice having Katie around just to like, and she gave it, she gives us. Uh, one of the sociology lectures at the very beginning for the M1s 
on how to treat LGBTQ patients. Um, it's really nice to have that clinic, that lady. God, she's so cool. Yeah, I mean, we should say that she's um, uh, she's involved in the LGBTQ clinic at the University of Iowa Healthcare. We've mentioned her on the show before. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty important effort that they're making there. Yeah. But one one of the things that I'm I'm not sure that everybody understands is why is it important to not just treat LGBTQ people who are patients, for instance, just as you would anyone else. Ooh, so this is this so why is does there why does there have to be a special effort to say you know these are the needs of LGBTQ patients? I think. Um... When I I was thinking about this a lot because that's what I wrote my essay on. Oh, oh my gosh! Um, and I think I actually wrote about why it's still important mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. it feels like a lot of the battles have already been won for a lot of people at large. Um, and I think that is true in some senses. Um, and the interesting thing about like LGBT culture and especially like here in the College of Medicine is that being out and your own individual visibility that is a choice that you make and that is like one you are allowed to make at different times and in varying degrees but when it comes to treating a patient who is lgbt you i mean one of the arguments i made was like some people like to say like i was born this way and that's why like i can't change and that's why it should be like i should be treated equally and it's like no it's like the thing the point of the thing is at least for me from my point of view is like it doesn't have to be even biologically based. People are equal because they're equal. Um, and I think it's like wrapping your mind around that idea um, that people don't have to justify themselves every point, every step of the way. And the fact that we are going to be doctors gives us such power in society and in culture. And in a lot of ways, the doctors have failed the community in the past. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's still so important for medical students to be allies um, especially with like ice, in my opinion, trans issues right now is like, I think is where we're putting a lot of the focus, um, mm-hmm. is that we have to be allies because if, if the medical community takes a back seat or just kind of passively watches these battles be fought, um, politically and culturally and doesn't participate, then we are wasting an opportunity to make people healthier, to make people feel more comfortable because right now trans people are, uh, incredibly uncomfortable with medical providers generally um, and that was also true of of gay people in the past and um, still is to some extent yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. depending on where you're at for sure too like it can be really really scary um, yeah because and, I mean if you if you walk into I, I assume that if if you as a gay person walks into an office uh, medic, uh, you know doctor's office and you are somehow made to feel as though you are less than mm-hmm you're probably not going to go back to that doctor or any other doctor yeah. um, to get men. And so then you become, mm-hmm. a, I don't know, medically marginalized, I guess is what is, is how you might put it. You're not going to get the yeah. care that you need for, you know, everyday issues. And I think it's like a lot of people will kind of passively be like, well, I'll treat them like I treat the rest of my patients. And then a part of me is like, yeah, but like, you also have to realize that like people have unique needs too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and if you're not a member of that community yeah. and you just spout some, you know, thing that seems very casual but is you know, in some way hurtful mm-hmm. or emphasizes otherness, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you that. might not ever know that you were a d- 
<laughs> it's like saying I don't see color. Yeah. When, Which is when somebody says nonsense. that. Yeah. 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 Um, just kind of going off of what you're saying, um, like I think it's good to celebrate the battles for sure that mm-hmm. we have won, um, but not get lulled into this sense of complacency. Um, mm-hmm. And like Claire hit it on the head, basically. Um, but just also bringing it back to what we were talking about earlier with those essays that were um, written by some of our fellow med students, like this, uh, these sentiments against the LGBTQ community still definitely exist. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not and, over yet. And uh, we, we have the power to change that. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering, like in our curriculum, what we could possibly keep changing so that we have less opinions like these for mm-hmm. uh, um, among people who are going to be future doctors. I mean, like, so I have an opinion that I don't think any institution could necessarily espouse, but I don't think there's any room in healthcare for people that feel that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I like, I wish that people that felt that way felt no draw to medicine because we don't want them. Mm -hmm. Because we have so much power. I mean, being, being gay used to be in the DSM. Like mm-hmm. um, until 1973, like, yeah. recently, <laughs> really recently, and those are real things. Those are things that other people will use against a community, mm-hmm. unless we as doctors aren't just like, oh yeah, it's cool with me, and we're not just tolerant, but we have to be I mean, proactive allies for our patients and educated. So yeah. uh, one example that I learned about even this week was uh, we had a speaker come, Dr. Ole, talking about more like rural medicine, which is a really cool thing that you get here at um, Iowa, just like more access to that, I guess. And he was talking about examples. He runs uh, the teleprep program here. And so he works through the HIV AIDS clinic here in Iowa City where they um, uh, work on getting increased access to pre-exposure prophylaxis for preventing HIV in at-risk patients. So uh, he was talking about how a lot of rural patients who are at risk for HIV, um, typically men who have sex with men, uh, do not feel comfortable disclosing to their local provider, to their primary care provider, or then they'll go, they'll drive an hour away so that they don't have to talk about this kind of thing to that person who's in their small community. And then when they Mm -hmm. go an hour away, even an hour away in our state can still be, oh, you're still in a town of you know, 20,000 people. And, uh, And then they'll go there and that provider there will say, well, I don't. I don't know how to do, I don't know how to prescribe this medication when really you just need to get a couple liver tests and a couple kidney tests. And then you're like, okay, here it is. Like, it's very straightforward. And yet if you don't educate yourself and continue educating yourself on like what this population needs (laughs) and how it's evolving, Mm -hmm. then you're not going to be able to like evolve with them in the needs that they have. And so it's just like, like you said, such an interesting attitude though. Like, I don't know what to do for you. This Isn't is that nuts. I, well, I just like this is going to come up for you in other ways mm-hmm. as a doctor. You know, yeah. This is and and what you're going to do is you're going to sit down and you're going to teach yourself because medicine is a lifelong learning process. You're going to teach yourself what it is that you need to know to treat you know this patient with this disease that you've never seen before personally. Mm-hmm. Right. The same thing mm-hmm. could happen for you for a patient who says i'm gay help me you know like and you'd be like okay well i don't know what that what what i can do for you but a tell me what you can what i can do for you and b i'm gonna go figure it out let's figure this out together i mean i think that's that's what you're gonna do anyway we can't we can't expect patients to 
be aware of their own screening recommendation needs. Like, yeah. that's, that's on the provider. It's there, provider competency. There's, had, there's books in Google. Right. <laughs> I had to colleagues. do that for my provider this year. Yeah, where yeah. I had to tell them how to prescribe me uh, medication, and I was just like, oh yeah, no, like I don't know. It's just nuts. <laughs> my OB's a gay lady. Yeah, there you go. I mean, like it's there's a lot of like existing provider education that needs that needs to happen, and it's it it is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was like pleasantly surprised my uh, family medicine preceptor in rural Iowa had just come from uh, like one of her continuing ed conferences and like she she was like being educated on things that she needed to be educated about not just not like just LGBT stuff but like continuing diabetes thing things like it's like any other thing that has advances like you need to st- stay up with it mm-hmm. yeah. and there's no excuse not to yeah Anything else you guys want to talk about? I have a, that listener question I'd like to get to. Ooh. Yeah. I there was there was another like aspect because you were talking about how uh, trans people uh, oftentimes like are the ones that are left behind in our mm-hmm. own community. And mm-hmm. just another plug for Katie. I know we've been talking like real good things about her a lot, <laughs> but um, I've worked with her over at um, the LGBTQ clinic, uh, and it's it's just incredible working with her um actually like with patients not just listening to her because she's awesome doing that too but uh i was asking her about it i was just like how do you know all these things about because most of her patients that we saw there were returning uh trans patients and so it was Mm -hmm. just incredible because like she was still educating her nurse after a couple years on like oh no this is how we correctly gender Mm -hmm. our patients and then like and then she's going through where these patients are coming back with some issues about hormones and i said to katie i was like well how do you know what to do because like you know i know she didn't get trained on that here uh and or like here during her medical school and so she was saying how like she has to go to these conferences and they're all kind of learning this together and going through this because nobody else is pushing in they're saying Mm -hmm. like okay no like what are you seeing with your patients on this medication how can we improve these issues these gaps that we're seeing Mm -hmm. right now and then educate other providers on this so it's just so cool working with somebody who's like on the front edge of this uh this care that is really missing mm-hmm. so but it's pretty it, it's pretty um the process of learning this stuff is is the same as any other process you start mm-hmm. small mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know like okay we know that hormones affect people in this way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and then you you know build from there you you keep adding to the knowledge you do what everybody does in these situations of of not knowing things you you keep a going you keep plugging mm-hmm. at it and you, yeah you build on the knowledge so like i actually have worked with uh katie and the other clinic uh director on a project for like several years now that has turned into multiple projects like so like i'm going into pathology so i care about lab values and so there was a question like what's a normal uh what's a n- normal result like so typically like you have a, a male reference range and a female reference range but there is nothing like little to nothing in the literature about like how does hormone therapy affect mm. what is normal and so like that ended up like we ended up doing a retrospective analysis that finally like i mean i started working on that and the, the idea got pitched to me in 2015 and like the first project like the first paper from that just got published like in August, which was it's cool to see that happen. Like it was a retrospective analysis, but that was like the groundwork for a prospective study where we collab- collaborated with somebody at UW Seattle, um, tr- like recruiting people who are healthy, um, who meet certain criteria just to like get a sense of like true normal values and stuff. And we're writing those up now. I mean, and that's kind of spurred like all kinds of other projects 
but like it, it, it's really just like anything else you just like you start with you start with your question and you build on the next mm-hmm. questions that mm-hmm. come with that and like we've collaborated with um like now there's uh there's a surgeon that does the orchiectomies here in urology there's um a peds endocrinologist and that uh helps kids uh um delay puberty until they um understand what their gender identity is and how they want to proceed um it, it's really cool to see how this like primary care clinic and this clinic was like it was the first of its kind to like come from a primary care uh push versus just like an sti prevention push Mm -hmm. right it's become like this multidisciplinary like institution spanning endeavor that it's just it's so cool to be a part of in iowa city in iowa city yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. i don't know i just think that's so cool cool. growing up in small town iowa that it's like no that's right here Mm -hmm. like yeah and it's like it's so great that like students have the opportunity here students here have the opportunity to be a part of that and like all i did was say hey i'm interested mm-hmm. and like I, I never anticipated like this becoming like one of my research interests but here it is and like there's it's like years years of like of work and it's like such a great opportunity and like hopefully i'll get to stay here for residency and keep working on stuff related to it mm-hmm. i was a good cool. place very cool well all right I want to thank you for bringing this topic to me, guys. I feel like I learned uh, quite a few things. And I want to hear from listeners about your experiences, positive and negative, your thoughts on what it's like to be a sexual minority in medical school. You can call us at 347-SHORT-CT. You can email email us at theshortcoats at gmail.com. You can hit us up on the social medias, whichever way you like. Um, really love to hear your thoughts on this important topic. Speaking of listener interaction, I got a question this week from Nikki. Let's hear from her. Hi, I love your show, but there's one question that doesn't really ever get addressed. How are friendships built in med school? Are people actually friends or more seen as colleagues? I am an introvert and I'm scared making friends will be hard, especially because I spend a lot of time studying. What is the social aspect of med school like? Are relationships even possible outside of well-established marriages? Dave. You rock. The other podcasters as well. You guys are goals. Much love, Nikki. We are goals. <laughs> we are. I've never heard that expression before. Aww. I feel like goals. <laughs> uh, Nikki, hmm. you're you're you sound very uh, you sound like it's this is a bleak question for you. I don't know. Like I feel like uh, we need to to help Nikki out here. Do you guys have friends in med school? Did That's you guys single one? Did you guys? Uh, did you guys? I believe when I was in M one, we had the friendship fair where you were assigned five friends and you had no other. F- no, I'm just kidding, Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, you got five. <laughs> they were like, I took out Mitchell my only so deserves. I got five. Mitchell only gets three. <laughs> um, I haven't had any problems making friends in med school. Like, you're. I mean, you, like, there's so there's a lot of opportunities. Like, because you're, you're put in small groups with people and. I mean, you're all slogging through it together, so to speak. And all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Who, who in who around this, who in this room would describe themselves as an introvert? Anyone? I would. Yeah, yeah for sure. I would too. I mean, I and, and, too. and so there's the popular definition of introvert, and then there's, there's the actual definition of introvert. You know, for me, you know, like people would be surprised to know that I'm an introvert just because I babble into this microphone every week and love doing it, you know, so how could somebody who's introverted do that? But for me, the definition of introvert is I want to go home at the end of the day and put on my jammies and 
not interact with human beings outside my family. Like that is <laughs> until you get a until call I'm, from the podcasters at right. twelve ten. <laughs> rudely woken up. Rudely woken. <laughs> <laughs> Got a shirt on. I was like, oh my god. Uh, Jeremy, did you anyway. think, was it hard for you to make friends here? No, it was super easy. Uh, even going through like just the awkward experiences and orientation, like mm. you, you just bond oh through that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not difficult at all. I, I I think the key is so. Okay, so my memory of college, right? I, and I did a little too much socializing in college, yeah. as I've admitted many times on the show before. Not an especially good student, but really good at having friends and um you know there is a shared intensity of being in college that you probably didn't experience in high school right yeah um and that is the and then then you all live together okay that is the crucible in which these friendships are are formed is that shared intensity now <laughs> you go from college to med school and you might think, oh God, there's none of that. You know, and, and frankly, you know, after college, you know, your the number of friendships you have like just falls into the shitter. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know, because it's you're just not all living together. It's not the same mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. But my sense is that in med school you're all in this very intense shared experience together. And so very fast friendships are formed in the similar way as in as in uh college just different it's like is that is do, would you, do you yeah. feel like that's it's a little like going to war with people or <laughs> right. experiencing an apocalypse with people and being the last survivor it's such a positive way of looking yeah. at it but that was also just... part of her question was like but are you in this together or are you more colleagues and it's like oh We're absolutely not colleagues. not colleagues like <laughs> no i start every message to our like group me of 180 with like sup nerds uh <laughs> and so i'm like no we're very comfortable <laughs> yeah we're very very comfortable and like, the first time you do that as a colleague you know on your yeah, on true. your department <laughs> list serve you know like hey, sup nerds <laughs> that will feel weird not a, i mean it's like anything not everybody's gonna be your friend we're just human people but I will say the friends I've made here are the best ones I've had so far, mm -hmm. up to this point of my very nearly 25 can't, years. Can't wait to make better ones, though. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be, it could get better. <laughs> to my friends out there, try a little harder. Yeah. My birthday's next Thursday. Oh, Ooh. happy birthday. No, but actually my idea for my birthday, this is how much I love my people. All right. Is, well, I'm really into baking, too. I want to make a cake and then make other people eat it on my birthday. Okay. Yeah. That sounds kind of What kind of cake? <laughs> Uh, like a good one, not like a. Cause I not a Dave Etler. Cake. Not a, <laughs> I had an not a turkey gravy cake. I had an idea post Thanksgiving, uh, and I post Thanksgiving oh idea, and I I just couldn't get it together. First of all, we ate all the leftovers. It was going to be you know another turkey leftover <laughs> uh, delight, just like last year. <sighs> um, but yeah, we ate all the leftovers. My daughter ate all the mashed potatoes. Um, I only got a little. Hmm. Um, but the point is there was nothing left over, so. So no turkey gelatin bunt cake this year? No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, turkey golden, what, was, what do we call it? Golden Thanksgiving gel delight? Nothing like that this Always year. Always delight at the end. Well. And it truly is every it is. time. It was a delight. <laughs> I th like, so related to the question, like one of the first people I met in like the, in the atrium on the first day of orientation, like two years later was in my wedding. Mm. And mm -hmm. like the the comment about relationships like i met 
my husband in our first semester. Yeah. Like, and you still have friends. We did not have a firmly established marriage before we met. Weird, huh? Um, but like, <laughs> it wasn't an arranged it marriage. Was not, it was not arranged. Um, you had time too. Yeah, there was tons yeah. of time. It also helped me as a student, so like we could study together. Yeah. And I'm just because I mean, like, if somebody just ha- like if they had a job, it's like, hey, do you want to sit in silence several hours a night together? Like, uh, a true little, love, little harder sell. <laughs> yeah. But like. Yeah, there, I mean, there's times to have relationships. Like, I mean, like anything in life, like make time for things that are important to you. I see a lot of people. Tra- I see a lot of med students traveling together. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, here. We have uh, f- uh, the fr- medical fraternities. Mm-hmm. Um, that one throws a particularly fun Halloween party uh, where people, you know, basically live together, co-ed, um, mm-hmm. and are, you know, together. Mm-hmm um and have a great time uh we have the learning communities which are both um part of how we deliver the curriculum but also uh uh, you know built-in social group if that's what you need lots and lots of ways to be social and have friends in med school don't worry nikki i'd also say uh if you're like worried about uh, making friends with uh, the type of people that go to medical school, that was one of my concerns. I was just like, oh, great. I'm going to school with a bunch of pre-med kids who got what they yeah. wanted in life. I a was bunch like, of uptight, great. mother yeah. Yeah. And so like, I mean, if you're somebody who, you know, uh, took five years off to be a boat captain in Hawaii or went and uh, mm. played basketball out in Europe or got your PhD in nutrition or like you go out and do all this different stuff, like, no, you'll feel, you'll meet a ton of different people. Um, it took me a little bit to like weasel out those people from the other nerds but uh, <laughs> but uh but yeah no like you really do get to know people and um yeah i just wouldn't be worried about uh there are all kinds of people yeah. in med school i mean it's not it's uh, yeah i mean i it, the stereotype of the you know of pre-meds and med students is that you know they're Ugh. very intense you know competitive people and you just don't want to be friends with them but it's not and I think there's really like, the case there's I mean I have plenty of friends that aren't in medicine which is nice and refreshing because they don't want to talk about how some exam went yeah yes so, so like like through we have a like, the university has a graduate and professional student government and like I have some good friends that are in dentistry and uh public health and one of them's a law student and then like because we're in a university town there's a lot of young professionals that aren't in school at all that yeah it's enjoyable to see because like you know as much as we enjoy hanging out with each other at the end of the day sometimes it's nice not to see one another that's an important (laughs) thing i mean yeah that's an important thing because uh you know as you as you get into this whole med school thing and you're really working hard and you're really studying and you're really hanging out with your med school friends it i suppose it could be possible to be like well uh i'm not going to interact as much with the people from whom i come and and so you might be you might accidentally lose touch with people i would say keep those friendships okay. as well you know do do something extra to keep those friendships you're going to it's going to at times feel like extra but to you, yeah. keep you got up time, those though. relationships <laughs> yeah, you i go to madison time. every other weekend i go to des moines all the time i'll go to chicago to go have fun with like a friend from college or a mm-hmm. friend from work before here and it's like mm-hmm. no you can you can make the time it just sucks during the middle of the week yeah. <laughs> to make it work but oh you can definitely make time to have fun mm-hmm. and you have to keep your people outside of medicine oh yeah That's you need, it's a good check on because like yeah yeah. Oh, everybody like while i was like i remember like in the like last fall like <laughs> when I, when everybody was studying for step one like 
oh, oh, we're all suffering. We're all studying for step one. And I, I kind of bought into that. And like my mom of all people who I consider a good friend of mine, she's like, we, I get, I mean, like we get it. You're busy, but like all of us are busy. <laughs> and I'm, it was like, I was like offended in the Le- moment. And I'm Le- like, yeah. no, we are so busy, but I'm like, yeah. shit, she's right. Leave I'm it like, to I gotta mom. quit bitching out loud yeah. so much. Leave it to mom yeah. to bring us back down to earth. Yeah, mm-hmm. no. And we need to be brought back down to earth. Absolutely. We do. And like, otherwise, like if we just hang out with people in med school, like it goes unchecked and that's not healthy. Yeah. 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 I need to get called out for how much I like spent, how much time I spent on Reddit. How much time I spent? I baked like three different things this week. And Why haven't I, I had got, any of these things? Uh, <laughs> I left one of them in the test this morning. I just left <laughs> a Oops. box of croissants. What? In the in Bison Auditorium after there the test because I didn't want to. It was just like I don't want these. I moved away from I'm Stella's this by. year, and so um, now I have more time to do other things now that I'm not at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> I guess in the week. Like, I live, like, a block away from one, and so Joe yeah. and Chris and I would always go there the Thursday before our MOHD yeah. test. We would just be like, yeah, let's just have a beer by 8, 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went to trivia last night. Super nice. On Disney trivia. Oh, was, oh, that, was that a big row? To go. It was, yeah. A local brewery that you could it, go to if you go to med school here? And you're yes. 21. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's, that's it. <laughs> Wait, no. You don't need that disclosure, I guess. <laughs> Some, you know. Could be. We could have a doogie. That but, sounds fun. Yeah. I got called out by my beautiful lady friend last night because I was like, I have a toast tomorrow. And she's like, you were at trivia. I know, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> nice. She's like, I work nine to five every day and I have to go. You can just not go sometimes. Oh, no, but like, it's, you're right. I it's can. It's a great excuse to be like, oh, no, I have med school. I can't. Yeah. And then like, if once people actually know you, they're like, oh, oh no, you don't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Skip uh, Friendships yeah. are possible. Yep. 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 Nikki, you're going to be in good shape. Uh, let us know how uh, how it goes someday. Uh, that's our show. Rob, Claire, Mitchell, Jeremy, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Mitchell and Jeremy, especially, let me extend an official but completely unnecessary invoca- invitation mm-hmm. to come back on the show anytime you like. And thank you, listeners, for making us a part of your week. If you like what you heard today, why not subscribe? You can benefit from our habit of answering listener questions. So send your questions or whatever you like to the shortcoats at gmail.com. Or you can leave a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. And don't forget to visit theshortcoat.com and join our email list. And why not, right now, call to action. While your podcast app is open, give us some stars and a review, just like Spiffy Tiffy One and Pick Creator did recently. Because internal validation is nice, but external validation is so the show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine, student government, and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox, and our closing music is by Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week.